So be in Genesis chapter 3, and I'm going to start in verse 14. Again, I'll read the rest of the chapter once again. It says, And the Lord God said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle and above every beast of the field. Upon thy belly shalt thou go, and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. And to the woman he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. In sorrow thou shalt bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. And unto Adam he said, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree, of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it, cursed is the ground for thy sake. In sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread, till thou return unto the ground. For out of it wast thou taken, for dust thou art, and unto dust shalt thou return. And Adam called his wife's name Eve, because she was the mother of all living. Unto Adam also, and to his wife, did the Lord God make coats of skins, and clothed them. And the Lord God said, Behold, the man is become as one of us, to know good and evil. And now, lest he put forth his hand, and take also of the tree of life, and eat, and live forever. Therefore the Lord God sent him forth from the garden of Eden, to till the ground from whence he was taken. So he drove out the man, and he placed at the east of the garden of Eden cherubims and a flaming sword which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. And I'll pray before I continue. Again, Lord, as we look to your word and to this passage in particular, uh, Lord, I just ask that you would um, guide my thoughts, um, the words that I speak this morning, that they would speak to the hearts of those listening. Um, Lord, that you would be working here and um, just guide our, our thoughts and our our hearts towards you uh, through this message as, as well, Lord. We just, again, ask for your, your help, your strength. In Jesus' name, amen. So again, we're talking about um, God had given one rule, don't eat the fruit. And with only one rule of what not to do, people did it anyway. <laughs> and it's just... it. We're talking at our Bible study a little bit about this, just the whole, as you go through the Bible, so God gives just one rule, and we break it. Then God gives ten rules, and we break them. <laughs> God gives grace, and we abuse it. <laughs> and when we get to the end of the story, you get to the end of the book of Revelation, for a thousand years, Christ in person, rules and reigns on earth. People can see him and know him. There's no more excuses that, you know, God prove to me that you're there and then I'll believe because God's there living in front of them the whole time. And at the end of the thousand years, it says Satan's released and he goes and deceives and gathers people as the sand of the sea, like millions. And they turn against God. And it just shows 
the nature of man, what's inside of us, is this tendency just to, to turn and to resist God, to go against him, to rebel. And so we see that continuing story, and we just it's a continuing story of God's grace with us, despite that. And so we start, and God gives a consequence for the disobedience. They ate the fruit. He said the consequence was going to be that they're going to die. And they're going to die. But there's other consequences that God gives them based on their part in the disobedience. And so the serpent was cursed because of his part. The woman is cursed because of her part. And the man is now cursed because of his part. One of the interesting things, and I, I had more that I could have said last week regarding the woman, and you already said I was pretty brave for <laughs> saying what I did say, so I should be careful to not continue. But there's a passage that I, I would like to have turned to, and I didn't get there. It gives the reason for the, the wife being supposed to submit to her husband um, and that order that God has given. And he said the reason was because the woman was deceived and not the man. Now, so that's the reason behind, like, God didn't put women, doesn't want women in leadership in the church, was on this basis of the woman was deceived and not the man. Now, so in this case, Eve was deceived into eating the fruit. But that statement implies Adam wasn't deceived. He knew what he was doing. That's not not a good outlook for him or for us as men. And the one verse that is given as the consequence for the women, it's, it's the childbirth and you're going to be in subjection to your husband. But for the men, there's more than one verse here of consequence. Um, And as we look at the consequence, in verse 17, right in the, well, toward the end of the verse, it says, cursed is the ground for thy sake. The whole earth, the whole planet was cursed because of man, because of what Adam willingly did in disobedience to God. Um, I was thinking about this a little bit yesterday, and it occurred to me, this is the argument that a lot of professing atheists use for not believing in God. And it's not so much that they don't believe that God exists. It's not that they're unwilling to believe in a being or a presence that is capable of creation. It's that they look around and they see a broken creation and say, "Why? how could a perfect God create such a broken world? There is so much evil and so much wrong in this world, all the disease and all the pain and all the suffering. How could God create that? I can't believe in a God like that. 
It's not God's fault. It's our fault. It's the rebellion against him is the reason for every bit of disease and suffering that we face in this world, for the struggles that we face every day. It's because of us. It's because of our rebellion against him that we struggle with these things. And so we're left with the curse that's on this earth and the instruction of what we're to do. And so we're going to look at the curse that man has faced and that man has caused and, and what that requires of us as men. And we looked at the women, and I, I suspect I won't get through all of this part for the men today because there's really too much. So I'm going to start with this aspect is, so I'll read verse 17 again. It says, And unto Adam he said, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it, cursed is the ground for thy sake. In sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Thorns and also and thistles shall it bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat of the herb of the field. In the sweat of thy face thou shalt eat bread, till thou return unto the ground. For out of it wast thou taken, for dust thou art, and unto dust thou shalt return. Now, you look at this punishment, this curse that's given to Adam. He's cursed the ground. It says in sorrow, you're going to eat of it. It's going to produce thorns and thistles. And by the sweat of your face, you're going to eat bread until you return to the ground. Like, life's going to get hard. <laughs> but you know what? This isn't when work started. <laughs> We, we, can, we need to look back and realize that God instituted work prior to sin entering in, prior to the curse. And so, if we look back at chapter 2, um, if you, we'll just pick a couple of verses out here. It says, in verse 5, um, it says, every plant of the field before it was in the earth and every herb of the field before it grew. For the Lord God had not caused it to rain upon the earth, and there was not a man to till the ground. Now, that's just a, a hint, right? There wasn't a man to till the ground. Well, we get down to verse 15. It says, And the Lord God took the man and put him into the garden of Eden to dress it and keep it. He made man for the purpose of taking care of this creation, as in man's going to till the ground. You're going to take care of the garden. You're going to do some work. <laughs> work was instituted prior to the fall, prior to the curse being implemented. And so we need to understand we were designed to work. I want to look at the Ten Commandments, something that I don't think a lot of people really pay attention to, but in Exodus chapter 20, 
Normally, we go to the Ten Commandments to show us our sin and how we break these commandments, and that's what I usually do when I go here, but that's not what I'm doing this morning. I want to show you God's intent for people through this. So we get to Exodus 20. Um, We'll be in verse 8 to start. So this is, I believe, the third, third or the fourth commandment, I can't remember. But anyway, verse 8 says, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt not do any work. Thou, nor thy son, nor thy daughter, thy manservant, nor thy maidservant, nor thy cattle, nor thy stranger that is within thy gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, and sea, and all that in them is, and rested on the seventh day. Wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day, and hallowed it. Notice the commandment starts with six days shalt thou labor. <laughs> this, is, this commandment is almost as much an instruction to get off your butt and go to work as it is to, to stop and rest on the seventh day. Nowadays, us, <laughs> you got no problem at all telling us to stop and take a break, do you? <laughs> that's, that's really not our problem of stopping to take a break. In fact, we've, instead of one day, we have a two-day weekend. <laughs> Time to go to three. <laughs> and yeah, exactly. Like we want to, well, Friday's off too. That would be nice. And so we've messed with God's intent for us. So as man, like God made, God, it didn't say he made Eve to till the ground. He made Adam to till the ground. We looked at some of God's intent for women in taking care of families and our homes. And well, the implication is that the husband ought to be out doing something productive to provide for that home so that she's got something to take care of. We have a job and we need to go. That job is to work, <laughs> go do something and be productive. That's as much of this commandment as it is to take that break on the Sabbath. There are guys that are workaholics and they don't want to stop. And, you know, that, that's, here, we need the instruction, take that Sabbath day and rest. I don't want to get bogged down in the Sabbath day thing. <laughs> Sabbath is technically from Friday evening till Saturday evening in our week. We don't keep the Sabbath. Um, I think I, I did kind of mention on Friday that it describes Christ is our Sabbath. No, that wasn't. That was our, our Passover. He's also our Sabbath. <laughs> we, our rest comes in him. We're not required to keep a Sabbath in order, like, to, for God is our, he, Christ is our Sabbath. He, he creates our rest. And so we don't keep the Sabbath day as a religious observance now, most of us. Um, there are people pushing to go back under the law. And then you got to read into Galatians and discover that that's not God's intent for us. Um, the, the law was just, a, the purpose is to bring us to Christ, to bring us to our recognition of our need of Christ. Um, so anyway, so we get into the Sabbath when there's a bunch of stuff to look at. But, but just the general principle here is that we are to work for six days 
And God in, instituted that we are allowed a day of rest. That's okay <laughs> to have a day of rest. And, and we're to give our whole family rest, our, our servants, any, our workers, our employees, and even our animals are supposed to have a day of rest. And that's a good thing. Um, many people who have decided to take a day and take a break and actually fully rest and not do work one day of the week find that they can be much more productive the other six days. It, it is God's intent. And so when we follow God's plan, it does work out for our best. But again, I'm going to focus more on the work aspect of it today. Now, there's a few different things. Let's go over to uh, Galatians chapter 6. This is where I want to go, but we'll look at it and see. Now, uh, so Galatians 6, uh, verse 7 says, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. And so there's a, a principle of there's physical work, there's physical things and earthly things and carnal things. We, we can work towards the wrong end um, and we're to work towards spiritual things more, but we are still to work. Anyway, Get out of that for a second. Let's go to Proverbs chapter 12. The thing I don't like about Proverbs is he changes topics so quickly. <laughs> often half a verse is all you get. But it's often enough. Uh, Proverbs chapter 12, verse 11 says, he that tilleth his land shall be satisfied with bread, but he that followeth vain persons is void of understanding. He that tilleth his land shall be satisfied with bread. We, what you sow, you reap. If you work hard, you'll have something to eat You'll have your roof over your head. You'll have the things that you need. That's God's principle. And that's God's intent is that we earn what we have. God, God created a system for the poor, for those that are needy. And he wants us to provide for those who have need. But for those who are capable God doesn't provide charity, doesn't want us to provide charity for people who are capable of work, yet refuse to work. That's not his intent. He's the, the charity and the, the giving is for those who can't, for the widows and orphans and those who actually have a real need, for those who are disabled, 
and not able to provide their own. That's the people that we give charity to. But for the rest of us, if we don't have something, it's because we're probably too lazy to actually go out and get it, to work for it. Over, well, same page for me, Proverbs 13, verse 4, says, the soul, the soul of the sluggard desireth and hath nothing, but the soul of the diligent shall be made fat. Same principle, right? Is if you're lazy, we used to do the youth at risk and we'd have these teenage boys come and live with us and uh, one in particular, I'm sure it was more than one of them, but I remember the one and his, he had these magazines that he brought with him that have all these cars and all the stuff that you can buy and put on cars and the, you know, building the tuner car and all this and he just loved all this stuff. But he would never lift a finger to earn it. <laughs> he was just full of want. But too lazy to actually go out and get it. And this verse speaks to that. The soul of the sluggard desireth and hath nothing. But the soul of the diligent shall be made fat. You just go to work, do your job. You're going to have everything you want or need. Let's go to one more spot in Proverbs chapter 6. Proverbs 6 and verse 10 says, well, verse 9, How long wilt thou sleep, O sluggard? When wilt thou arise out of thy sleep? Yet a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep. So shall thy poverty Come as one that traveleth, and thy want as an armed man. Um, how long wilt thou sleep, O sluggard? If you have a teenager, chances are <laughs> this verse is speaking to that person, right? Um, there's there's studies that say teenagers actually should get more sleep. It helps, it helps their brain develop and, and whatnot. And they certainly need more development of that part. So, <laughs> um, But the, the slugger, the lazy people, like, and I don't think I pulled up the verse, but it says, as the door turneth upon the hinges, so doth the slothful upon the bed. Right? Like you sit there, you toss and turn at night. Chances are you didn't work hard enough during the day to get tired enough to just go to bed and pass out, fall asleep. Maybe if you worked a little harder, you wouldn't be tossing and turning and worrying about getting sleep because it'll just come if you work yourself to that point that you're tired. We're supposed to work. Go one more spot here, Ecclesiastes chapter 5. Ecclesiastes is right after Proverbs. I really, um, really enjoy the book of Ecclesiastes. Um, this is he. This is uh, Solomon, the preacher, the son of David. 
And as he introduces it, he talks about he's observing the things that happen under the sun. He's just like, he's looking at life from the perspective of a man looking out at people and he's just observing. And some of his observations are quite profound and it's a very useful book to to look at to, to understand life. But Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 12 says, The sleep of a laboring man is sweet, whether he eat little or much, but the abundance of the rich will not suffer him to sleep. That's that same principle of, you know, if you're not working hard and just go and collapse in a bed, it's, it's hard to get to sleep and people fret over stuff. They need to work more. <laughs> Verse 18 same chapter. Wait. Yeah, verse, yeah. I looked at the next chapter. There is no verse 18. Verse 18 of chapter 5 says, Behold that which I have seen. It is good and comely for one to eat and to drink and to enjoy the good of all his labor that he taketh under the sun all the days of his life which God giveth him, for it is his portion. Every man also to whom God hath given riches and wealth, and hath given him power to eat thereof, and to take his portion, and to rejoice in his labor. This is the gift of God. We're supposed to work, and it's okay to enjoy the fruit of your labor. That's a part of God's gift to us, is that we can take satisfaction in the things that we do. Now, we're, we all have different personalities. We have different... God has given different things to different people, different gifts to different people. And I have never been one to sit still and study. Um, if there was such a thing when I was a kid, I'm sure I would have been labeled ADHD and been drugged into oblivion because I was the kid that could not sit still and the teachers hated me <laughs> because I would not sit still. I would not study. Um, to go home after being in school all day and to sit down and study, what a drag. Like, <laughs> I never did homework. I never studied for a test. But I did learn when I was threatened at one point, I think grade seven, I was told I was going to fail. I'm like, oh no, I'm not. I'm not doing this any longer than I have to. So I learned if I sat and paid attention during class, I could learn enough that I could pass the test. That's all I cared. I just got to get out of this thing, right? And so I would sit and I would pay attention and I would learn. My college friends hated me because I would show up on the day of our tests and exams having slept really well that night and they're all standing around the classroom quizzing each other on all the stuff they'd spent all night studying and I'm like I didn't study (laughs) and then I would get my studying done from listening to them quizzing each other and I would do better than most of them on the test because I learned to pay attention when I needed to (laughs) because I hated it so I get to this point, here I am, I'm preaching and I need to study. (laughs) I can't imagine 
sitting in an office all week, reading, studying, not getting up off my seat and doing something. I just couldn't possibly do it. I study and I learn while I'm doing that to the best I can. And then I get out and I got to do something. I have to be productive. I have to do something. <laughs> um, let's see if I can find it. There it is. Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4, uh, verse, just one verse, verse 28 here says, Let him that stole... Steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good, that he may have to give to him that needeth. Now, I see a couple of things in here is the guy that steals obviously has too much time on his hands, and he's not willing to work for the things that he wants. It's like we're talking about in Proverbs, like if you work hard, you can have anything you want. Because it'll just you'll just have the abundance to be able to have the things. But if you're not working hard, you're always going to be looking at the stuff that you wish you had and never be able to have it. And this is the result of that, is that you end up stealing because you're coveting the things that you can't afford because you're not working hard enough to, to be able to achieve that. So it says, let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor. Needs to get out and work. But it says, working with his hands, the thing which is good. We need to work with our hands. <laughs> um, now, not all, and I said, like, there's different ones of us, and we're gifted in different ways, and some of us are better working with our hands than others. Uh, my father in law is a mechanic, and I did well as a mechanic. But we had, actually, it was Jeff's kid, came and worked for us. And my father-in-law description of this kid is that he's just got his hands screwed on right. <laughs> Whatever he touched, like, he could take something apart and put it back together faster than any of us. Every once in a while, things got bent or broken because <laughs> he's moving faster than the rest of us. But he could just do it. His hands were screwed on right to work with his hands and to be productive. Well, just because he's gifted that way, Okay, yeah, he's, he's going to produce more than the rest of us. But we, the rest of us still need to work. And maybe you're not as good with your hands. Maybe you're not as competent at doing certain things. But find something good to do and go and do it. Figure out what it is that God has given you as an ability and go and produce something in that thing. Um, I was just describing this morning to someone... Um, so I, yesterday was a nice day, and I get so fed up with winter and the cold and the snow. And so nice day, I got sunshine, and I need to get outside. <clears throat> Unfortunately, I need to study to <laughs> preach today. And so I, 
realized in the morning, I was like, I need to get this done so I can get outside and enjoy part of the day. And so I'm studying and I'm getting some verses together and then I go outside and we want to build a cabin this year and so we got a load of logs in the yard and the bark needs to come off of them. And so I'm sitting there with a draw knife and I'm peeling logs and it hurts. I'm old, I'm out of shape and <laughs> this hurts. <laughs> this is work. But man, what a rewarding feel. Like I feel like I've accomplished something and in the meantime... The ideas that I worked on for this, I start mulling this stuff over and figured out how to actually preach it. <laughs> I figured out what to actually say while I was, not while I was studying and reading and writing, but I went and did something with my hands and being productive. And God's like just working and letting me figure this out. It's, it's simple work, but it's hard work. <laughs> and just doing something and being productive. And then the ideas can come. The, your brain can work. But I think men need to be productive. And it's not always a physical thing, but it, this does point to the fact that we should be doing something with our hands. Not all the same. Like, <laughs> if we're all mechanics, or we're all carpenters, or we're all, like, like whatever the thing is, well, what a messed up world we'd live in. Brian was saying his dad's brothers, four of them, what are, five of them, they each one learned a different trade. And together, they built each other's houses. They, learned, they worked with their hands, but like they learned things that worked together. And we all need to learn different things so that all of our skills that we learn can work together to accomplish something. I have more to say about it, but I'll end with this thought, is that there's more than one kind of work in that we think work means I get up and I drive to a job site and I clock in, I put in my eight hours or whatever it is, I clock out and I go home. Where do you see that in the scriptures? <laughs> There are times where this occurs. We see Jesus in a, in, within a parable, or presumably a parable, but he's describing there's a, a harvest and it needs to be harvested. And so the landowner goes out and he hires some men and he sets a wage. He says, come and work in my field. And then he's like, well, it's not getting done. I need more men. And he goes and gets more and he gets more. And so or even throughout the whole day, the man's going out to hire more workers for his field. Well, there's a time where you need to hire people to accomplish a job because there's a time restraint, especially in harvest time, to gather this stuff up before it goes bad. So there's times where you clock in and you do your number of hours of work and you clock out at the end of the day and you get paid. But in Genesis 3, it's talking to Adam and says, by the sweat of your face, you're going to eat. <laughs> We're intended to, to sweat, work hard, um, and it produce some food. <laughs> our work doesn't end, and I mentioned our wives might have a honeydew list for us at home. You know what? That's our job, <laughs> is to take care of your home. 
Your job doesn't end when you clock out at this place that pays you. There's work to be done at a home, to build the home, to repair the home, to, to maintain it, to grow a garden, and to do other things at home. There's more to do than just our, our paid job, our occupation, right? That, that was a real struggle for me when I switched into ministry from working a job because I finally got, I, I haven't always lived an overly productive life. Um, the first 10 years of our marriage, or, well, not quite. But anyway, my, the first 10 years of my working age life, all I wanted to do is recreational kind of things. And I, I guided canoe trips and dog sledding trips for a living. I got paid to, to go and have fun and take other people to enjoy doing the things that I liked doing. And yeah, there was work involved. It was work, but, but it's, not a, it's not a job, right? Like this is, I, I wasn't a productive person early on. I had to learn this later on once we had kids. I was like, well, I need a real job. I need to actually be productive consistently so I can provide for my family. So I learned this over time, but where was I going with that? (laughs) (laughs) It's a nice story. (laughs) I learned to, I need to earn, right? And we, but the job isn't done when I walk through the door and get home. There's other work. Oh, sorry, I went into ministry. And so I finally learned to work and be productive. And now I went back. I worked at a Bible camp, and I'm like, I'm back to this recreational kind of job. It's like, I don't go to work and clock in and be productive for this many hours and clock out and go home. It's like, it was a completely different world to me again, and I, I struggled with that. It's like, I need to be productive. I finally got that in my head. I need to be productive. And man, am I miserable. I get depressed and just down if I'm not being productive. And so here I'm doing this now and I've realized I don't have to go, like there's days I'm tempted to go and get a job that pays me so that I can go and be productive because I get depressed and I kind of get down on myself for not being productive enough. But I've learned that I can be productive in helping other people with things. I can be productive at home and actually finish building our home. I can go and build a a house. I can till the land and I can do, I can be productive and do work as God intends. And it doesn't have to be a clocked paid position. So the working the six days and then resting the seventh, those six days don't have to be the days that you're paid to work so many hours and receive this much wage. It's be productive during those six days. It doesn't have to be clocking into the job. Just just be productive. Go do something. Don't just sit around (laughs) and sleep or toss and turn in the bed because you didn't work hard enough. Guys, we need to work. And whether it's where I'm at, where I don't have a a clock-in job, but I need to make sure I'm ready for this, but I need to make sure I'm also productive while I'm not doing 
this, right? I need to do other things. I need to be working with my hands. And the other part of that, to him that stole, let him steal no more and work with his hands, that thing which is good, that he may have to give to him that needeth. Let's not be selfish and greedy. Part of being productive as a man is that it's, we're to provide for our family, but we are to be able to have enough that we can help somebody else when they need it. If we just barely get by, do the bare minimum to survive because we don't want to work any more than absolutely necessary, then you're not going to be able to help somebody else when their time of need comes. We're supposed to be able to help others when they need help too, which requires that we be productive, that we work hard. And I think next week, we maybe we'll talk about some of the, the husband's responsibilities with our wives and our families. <laughs> so let's bow as we close.